Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Legion of Myth live stream. This is episode number 130, coming to you in this temporal place of 23 September 2017. Of course, when you see it, it may be different, or maybe it's the same. If it's possible, you know, loop through time, go back to whatever this was, so we could actually listen to the recording before it's live. It happened. Yes. It is possible. Yeah, it would have happened already. So you can't say it will happen. You can just say it did happen. And who did that wisdom come from? From Brett Heathen Dog Grissomer, and I'm Alex Garth That's right, Temporal Wizard. That's me. Ooh. Drachnock oh, the wizard? Magician. <laughs> you are much like Drachnock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. It's funny, in crisis, in times of horror, you have to find little bits of humor to laugh about. Yes. You know, much and like. Drac Drachnock is my little bit of humor. Drachnock is all we have sometimes in this world. Uh, he's just going to become a running meme, isn't he? Drachnock's going to be everywhere. Yep. 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 I'm but... going to steal his picture. I'm going to pla plaster it everywhere. <laughs> Name your we'll next ship. Put it all on social media, but with no explanation. Like, who is that guy? What is that? Is That's Drachnock a good idea. Maybe? Or just start, <laughs> name all your starships Drachnock. There you go. What's that from? You'll know. He's you coming. Even, if you don't know, you don't know. <laughs> That's kind of like almost a macho. If you don't know, you don't need to know. Oh, yeah. Because when it comes at you, brother, the madness. Anyway. <laughs> but in this, we do not have the macho madness. We have oh. Heathen Dogs, Heathen Dogma, Call of Cthulhu RPG Fundamentals. Uh, talking about more about Delta Green, Majestic 12. Ooh. That's right. Also in Garthon's comic poll, we're going to talk about The Avengers number 11, Batman 31, and U.S. Avengers number 10. They're totally different Avengers titles. Nothing to do with one another. Yep. Nothing at all. And in the random number generator, we're going to talk about Discovery Diversity. Because a lot of people are talking about it and happened for a while. And as the show is imminent upon release on CBS All Access, we thought that we would give our two cents about that. And actually, if you're Boom. listening live, or even listening over YouTube, that won't even cost you two cents. So, hey. Nope. It's absolutely free. That's right. It's free. All you got to spend Just is watch time. watch an ad for crying out loud. Yeah. Please. Click on a click on an ad. We need Do that it. three cents. Boom. But, to, for our protection and yours, go ahead and give yourself a hug, everyone. The opinions expressed in the video are solely the opinions of the individual host or commentator and are not representative of the entire Legion of Myth organization. While we make an effort to provide a family-friendly atmosphere, there may be occasions of foul or offensive language. Thank you for your understanding and continued viewership. Uh, opening up the chat and everything so you can go and everyone out there, if you want to talk to us live, you can. We will listen. Well, watch, because you're not actually talking, but, you know, no. it's all there for you. I think, I think they get it. I should hope so. Um, as always, you can like, subscribe, or comment upon this. You can go to do it live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Legion of Myth. On YouTube, after on the recording, youtube.com slash C slash Legion of Myth, you can see all of our many, many videos. We have, I think, uh, 3,290 at last count. Close, close. Uh, 850-something. <laughs> I, I was close. Yeah, we're close. Numbers were never my strong suit. Uh, join our Reddit you could join us on Facebook and comment there. You could tweet us, pretty active on Twitter recently, uh, at Legion of Myth. Uh, through Discord, you could be a member there. We'll talk to you. I know Heathen Dog spends a lot of time on Discord. I don't spend much, I do. but I spend I some. Yes. 
uh, and also through Facebook Messenger or join our Steam community. The audio version of this is, of course, available through SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music, or fine podcast aggregators everywhere. If you want to support us, you can always do it through, through Twitch, Patreon, Streamlabs, uh, directly through PayPal, or by getting our gear at shop.spreadshirt.com slash legionofmyth. Heathen dog shirt. All the cats love it. Just got to be careful right. when you wear it. It'd be hard to keep the opposite sex or same if that's your inclination off of you. Yeah. Depending on, depending on how you roll, the shirt knows, and that's the vibe it sends out. Indeed. It just sends a vibe of, this is a cool cat. Anyway, speaking of cool cats from other dimensions, let's talk about Heathen Dog's Call of Cthulhu explanation of ancient horror. Outstanding. Yes. Based on 5th edition Chaosium rules. And I'm going to continue today with uh, uh, Delta Green. Like I said, it's my favorite variant. But... This is the other side of the Delta Green coin. This is Majestic 12. All right, now and how Majestic is that 12, different uh, than Delta Green? Secret group inside government. Yeah, but this one's legit. It's actually a, a ongoing, uh, not not a conspiracy, an actual NSA sub program that's been around since uh, since the Roswell crash. Was that 47? Yeah, something like that. But that makes sense that there would actually be a government-funded organization having to deal with this if it's a known issue. Yes. And in the in the Delta Green slash Call of Cthulhu universe, the Roswell crash, real thing, happened. Aliens found. What do you mean just in this universe, my friend? You mean okay. it, it actually did happen. Okay, yeah. Uh, I got a couple couple of pictures, and I, I credited the, the uh, alien wackadoo websites in our credits page. Woo! But, yeah, we're going <laughs> to get to that. Don't worry. <laughs> Go wackadoos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, whole, the whole Majestic 12, their, their, man, their mandate is twofold. All right. They cover up all all alien incursions in U.S. soil, and they uh, uh, have to research all of the alien artifact technology and biology to figure out, you know, if we have to, how to fight them effectively. So far, that second part's not gone very well. I would think not. Let, let's let's get to uh, the history of uh, uh, Majestic Twelve. Let's do that. And. I'll start with the aliens, brother. July 1947, the Roswell crash happens. Uh, in the in the morning, uh, some farmers said, "Hey, I some something plowed into my land. You get this. You get your army crap out of this." And I'm like, "All right, fine." Then I, and then you know they, they came out and uh, some some major chemist says, oh, "This isn't our stuff. This is tinfoil that I can't bend." What? Uh oh. And he 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 uh, he radioed in. This is a uh, this is legit. This is crazy. And a whole whole army, huh, yeah, funny, a whole army of army men came, and uh, and found a spacecraft, three dead aliens, and one live alien. Ooh. Well, the whole thing was covered up. Uh, the CIG, the uh, uh, Central Intelligence Group, which is the forerunner of the CIA, which will be formed later on in this same year, but uh, uh, the, the the CIG covered it all up, uh, made everyone recant their testimony, even even uh, had the, the, the major who initially said it was aliens uh, pose with uh, uh, weather to, yeah. to say, no, it was fake. I swear. It was fake. I was mistaken. Uh, wah, wah. All right. That, all right. I got to say something. All right, go. all right. For conspiracy theories and story foundation stuff, the Roswell thing works. But with all the people who would have seen an actual spacecraft and aliens, more than one person would have had, like, proof or squealed you know oh no no yeah yeah the the, the, the cig took away all proof no i'm just saying and like then, in real life were... if if it had happened yeah yeah it it yeah. would have been I mean, out it, there instantly but in in the game they took away all proof and then anyone who decided to go for it anyway uh they discredited them or killed 
I'm guessing. Or well, killing is always a last resort because you know in the alien world, you 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 kill a an alien conspiracy theorist who has some kind of traction. If he suddenly disappears one day, it just adds to that traction. Yeah, I mean, if you if you kill all the squealers, I mean, eventually people start asking questions. You can make it look like an accident or a suicide, but still, it's gonna it's gonna be fishy. You know, because these these are alien wackadoos, so they're they're gonna they're gonna people think they're you know, wackadoos anyway. See evidence that really isn't there because you know you've you've covered up all the evidence. That's right. They you know so, you're planting yeah. stories that they kill themselves to join a to join aliens on a comet when really they knew the truth. Exactly. So uh, later on that year in, in September, uh, the Majestic Twelve uh, Special Special Service Group or whatever it's called was a subset of the NSA was formed uh, to specifically handle these alien things. All right. All right. So they started examining the saucer and the alien. And the, of course, the, they started autopsying the, the dead aliens and they found they found some weird stuff. Obviously, they found some weird stuff. The the alien was like 99 percent biologically human. I mean, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, we were made of the same stuff. Uh, trachea. They had, you know, had fingers, two arms, two legs, two eyes, nose, mouth. You know, they were built basically like us and that they thought that was weird and then the the alien spacecraft it was uh it was a disc you know a saucer your your, your legit you know 1950s alien saucer but the inside was all like compacted clay formed into seats and and control panels and stuff That's and interesting. All, all along the outside was a very very thin sheet of metal like maybe about uh eh, 10, 10 times thicker than than your aluminum foil that you have in your kitchen but this stuff is impenetrable it's indestructible it's it's basically adamantium okay i mean no, there there was no amount of heat cold uh energy that that, that could that could uh mouth that could bend it or or or, uh, or misshape it even a, a 10 megaton bomb was was secretly detonated just to see if it would disturb this metal nothing they just buffed it and it was fine pretty impressive oh yeah it didn't absorb any radiation it reflected all light all all radiation all heat so it was a really really great space metal because it didn't let any cold in and it kept it and it kept all the heat from leaving so you would save a whole lot of energy heating the inside of your spaceship right as well as not having to worry about shielding from radiation and whatnot yeah you don't have to worry about that stuff you know because uh after a while the only heat you need are the living bodies inside Mm-hmm. because there's almost zero heat loss and there's no cold getting in so it's great and so they thought oh, wow we hit the mother low let's study this stuff well so they, they started studying it for years and that's where we come to what's the cost of science well the spacecraft held held secrets one uh it, the power was still on they couldn't get it to move up down left right sideways whatever you know and, and it took them five months to figure out how to open the door but once they got inside, they realized it had artificial gravity. And the way the way they realized this is some Yahoo didn't didn't uh, uh, secure a handcart correctly, and it ran in the saucer and flipped it upside down. But the people inside didn't know. Oh. To them, they were they were all fine. They were upside down to everyone else, but to them, gravity was the same. So they figured out that these little symbols that were etched in the ceiling kept gravity. At a constant 1.00013 Gs down relative to the spaceship. That's very interesting. So, That's yeah. also very so, close to Earth, which is very interesting. Exactly. Now, uh, 
there was one scientist who uh, who was who was in charge of studying these these little sigils, and he started getting more and more uh, crazy. I guess the word is as, as he did it. Unbalanced. There you go. Uh, unbalanced is a really good word. And he decided that he was going to try some of his own. So he he uh, uh, he uh, brought in uh, a stencil tool and he erased some some of the stuff from the ceiling and he wrote his own sigils. Well, oh. they found him the next day, uh, a puddle of salsa on the ground, in, uh, on the ground inside the spaceship because uh, he had he had made these sigils about four inches in diameter when all the other sigils were, you know, like two inches in diameter or one inch. And so the, the, the gravity pushing down underneath the sigils he he actually created were about 170 G's. Youch. Yeah. So they cut out that portion and they could cut it out and carry it. And the, the cool thing was the, 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 the gravity field that it generated kept going no matter what no matter how you angled it. So if you angled it up, you could actually, it would, it would create 170 G gravity straight up to the, to the moon and beyond. They, they couldn't really measure it, but they accidentally, accidentally took out a satellite doing that. That's pretty dangerous. And they accidentally killed three or four people when they were moving it around because you move it around wrong and it hits a person and they turn into chunky. Sauce. Yeah. They suck, get sucked into it and crunch. No, no, they pushed away. Remember this is gravity force away 170 g's away from this, oh, what they call it, the okay. flank all right so it's actually pushing but it's not pushing on itself it's creating right there's no action reaction of, yeah it's creating that in gravity environment beneath it or on top of it depending on how you how you have it oriented yeah uh that was that was one that was one guy and uh there were a bunch of guys who who were interviewing the actual living alien uh, after about four or five months, he went into a state of what they called torpor. Like he just went into a coma, no, no metabolic processes whatsoever. Just he wouldn't rot. He didn't rot over the next 30 years, but he just didn't live either. All right, fine. Now, before that happened, they gave him an IQ test. And then since he wouldn't speak, but apparently could read English, uh, they, they gave him, uh, you know, he answered orally as best he could. Well, there was one where uh, the answer was a mathematic equation and the the proctor of the test gave this to you know the most brilliant mathematician on the base and this this mathematician was found three days later in in his office he had scrawled uh the response that the alien gave on the blackboard in his own blood oh nice yeah so he went a little nutters i always felt about math class so i i understand yeah yeah, so I, alien IQ tests can be tricky. You gotta you gotta worry about that. Now, uh, after that, they they gave a rule that if you were studying something about the device or something about the alien in depth, you you had the buddy system, whereas you were studying and someone else was doing something else in the room, so he could someone watch else was you. watching you. You were someone else's study. Started, if you started to go nutter butters, then he could he could make sure you didn't do anything wrong, which happened. Uh, a little later on, good thing they implemented the system because uh, there was another another scientist who was who was trying to uh, not figure out the gravity but the propulsion of the of the spacecraft, and he started to go bonkers. And he took all of his research and he was starting to burn it, giggling the whole time. Well, his partner, his his study buddy, uh, tried to stop him. Uh, he became he became homicidally violent. And his buddy had to put him down like a dog and shot him in the head. Oh, geez. To, to, to save the research. 
which he did, and he was commended for it. So good for him. Now, this went on for about 30 years, right? And they, they didn't make a whole lot of progress. They got a couple of technological breakthroughs, but not a whole lot of actual progress of like getting the alien ship to move. You know, they figured out how to, how to turn on the lights, which was great, open, the, open and close doors, awesome. Uh, no one bothered with that gravity thing anymore because they didn't want to be like Salsa Boy. But uh, a, uh, a buddy of one of the researchers at, uh, at a, a radio, radio astronomy institute caught wind of an alien signal coming from around Pluto. And it seemed to be from intelligent life. Well, uh, Majestic 12 immediately jumped in there, classified the whole thing, you know, covered it up, disappeared people who had disappeared, gave people money who had need to give money, stuff like that. And they they hijacked the signal, they, they deciphered it, and they sent a message and got a response. And they said, we are coming, we want to meet, and you have one of our guys, we want him back, obviously. We're going to meet here, here at this time. So Majestic 12 like, oh, this is freaking awesome. And so they, they got, you know, they got the security team together. Was it awesome? Was it, oh, great, we're going to talk to aliens, or oh, great, we're prisoners. No, it was oh, awesome, we get to talk to aliens. Okay, good. They were really, really hyped about this. Well, uh, the, the time, time and place, they're there, and uh, the aliens land in their, in their cool saucer ship, and some of them get out. Well, a couple of the, of the security forces guys got all antsy and started shooting. That makes well, sense. The, that's that's the, security yeah. forces for you. Yeah, they, they lost it, and uh, they started, oh, freaking aliens, shoot it! And they were, they were executed by their, by their captain. Good. Bam, bam. And then they yeah, apologized to the aliens, and the aliens like, whatever. They didn't care. Uh, you got our guy. We want our guy back. You know what? We're going to help you out. You know, you didn't harm him. That's great. I can see that. He's fine. Oh, yeah. And they wheeled him out there on a, on a slab. But as, as soon as the human said, here he is, he got up. 30 years, hadn't done nothing. He got up, turned around, said thank you to the humans, and walked aboard the spaceship. <laughs> like, you bastard! You were a yeah. guy the whole time! Yeah, you were. Did, did, did you watch me change? Did you? You, you owe me 30 bucks! No. But uh, the alien's like, you know what? And, and I'm paraphrasing here. You you helped you helped a brother out, so we're gonna give you this. And they gave the, they they gave the humans what uh, the humans called the cookbook. Now it was it was an over three thousand page book bound in some kind of synthetic leather. And it wasn't named How to Serve Man. I hope. No, it was not. Okay. What it what it was is was the the uh, the unlocking of the entire human genetic structure. Oh dang! Laid out all of it, every nook and cranny of of of, uh, of genetic code, written out for you. Just like that. Here you go. Pretty sweet. Oh, and the, 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 the chemists and biologists were like, oh, they were drooling over this thing. Like, oh, my God, this is so amazing. Well, that, that, that was just a, a gift of goodwill. Now, what the aliens really want us to listen, uh, they, gave, they gave their whole story, right? Listen, we are uh, we're, we're not a, a born species. We were created by, by a born species in... Uh, the M31 cluster, or whatever, but our star went supernova and they all died. We were we were bred to work in space, huh. so we were we were in ships when the in this, when the when it happened and we were able to escape with our FTLs. And the the physicists were like FTLs, oh, you know, like oh, oh hold on, hold on, hold on. That's so exciting. Now the thing is, uh, 
our masters made it so we can't propagate ourselves very easily because they didn't want us, you know, taking over or whatever. And we, we get it, but now they're all dead and we've, we've had to tweak our genetic code to try and get us to, to, to keep our species going through cloning. But now we're running on, you know, we're running on fumes here because after a while, a copy of a copy of a copy just starts to suck. It starts to break down. Exactly. So uh, we've been searching the, the cosmos for the last, you know, 10,000 years trying to find a compatible species and you guys are it. I mean, the life forms on earth are more like us than, than like head and shoulders above anything else we found. And we need to, to do some testing. Mars needs women to propagate our species. And if you're willing to look the other way and help us out, you know, and covering this up, then we'll give you this. And they gave them the initial copy of the report. Dun, dun. Now the report is uh, uh, 100% accurate to 24 hours before the report is written of every single military asset in the world, no matter how small. Dang. Yes. Uh, if, if, if there was a paramilitary group in, in Uruguay that had 15 guns, five, five uh, you know, SAM missiles and, and a go-to and, attitude. I was saying three K-bars. Yeah, there you go. And and, uh, and, an, and an attitude to be anarchist today. That's on the report. Exactly where they are, where the weapons are, their strengths, their their numbers, their weaknesses, everything is written in the report. And the U.S. Uh, military saw this thing as a godsend because, remember, this is 1978. This is Cold War time. Well, yeah. And every single Russian installation, public, secret, compartmentalized within their government so no one even in their in their own government knew exactly everything this book had everything and so presidents nice. were like yes we want this make this make this happen and they called it the accord where you would you would update the report every other month and we would cover up your little tiny indiscretions here and there <laughs> You accidentally get caught on camera. We'll make it look be a weather balloon. Exactly. In the meantime, and we also, are, in the meantime we're also supplying, you know, I assume, genetic material to them. No, no, no. They they handle all the stuff themselves. We, we so so the U.S. has deniability. No, we didn't do any of that stuff. What are you talking about? Oh, so basically, the aliens when they're landing, doing their abductions, they're actually doing that. Yes, they're and the doing government that. knows they're and they're like, the cool, whatever. Yes, they're doing that, and the U.S. is like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that's cool, it's cool. Just uh, you know, don't 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 kill anyone, and we're fine. Just don't probe anyone we know." Yeah, yeah, and then and then at the tail end, the the, the Greys, which are what they're called, the Greys, they uh they say, "Hey, uh, we, we we did an operation here. We need you covered up." And Majestic Twelve's like, "Okay." They go in there with their cover story and their and their deep pockets and and their their amnesia drug, which they have because of the the. Uh, the leaps and bounds they they scientifically they gained with the cookbook very they, nice they learned how to specifically target memories with with a drug inside the human brain to make you forget exactly what they want you to forget and it lists a brilliant excuses more. like uh swamp gas refracted off a weather balloon and uh that's how <laughs> exactly exactly right it's it's a neuralizer in injectable form very nice that's exactly what it is now that that was history of uh Majestic 12 let's see what they're doing today let's look well, at that uh, today they have, like I said, they have two goals: keep the alien secret, and study alien technology. Fair enough. That that is it. And to they they have deep pockets to do all of that because so, what? So they have become the Men in Black. Yes, they are. They are the Men in Black. Exactly right. 
Uh, as a matter of fact, they have uh, they have they even have P uh, the the heads of Majestic Twelve have a clearance that no one else has. It's it's called magic M A M A J I C the magic clearance. Now this this not only is the highest level of security in the United States. It is it, it, if you have this level of security, it makes you an intelligence super user, which means it doesn't matter. Did, did the NSA give it to you? Did the CIA give it to you? Did the off, uh, Office of Naval Intelligence give it to you? It doesn't matter. Once you have it, you have access to every other intelligence asset in the country. You flash this clearance. They give you whatever you want. You're you're an NSA operative with with magic clearance. You can go to any CIA satellite office and well, I need this place. You're in SA. You don't tell me what to do. Magic clearance. Oh, yes, sir. Like, damn it. Well. Exactly. And then like, well, let's clear out. <laughs> I have a stickers bar in that drawer over there. It's yours, I guess. <laughs> you can have that, too. <laughs> exactly right. So they are super powerful. Now, the leaders of Majestic 12, they have two goals as well. Get richer and more powerful than they already are. Hey, why not? Yes, because they, because uh, people, because uh, the leaders of Majestic 12 have absolute power. So what do they have? Absolute no. corruption. Woo. Exactly. That's exactly what I do. Uh, the leaders of Majestic, Majestic 12 have taken uh, some of the alien breakthroughs and snuck them into their own companies. And who wouldn't, honestly? Exactly. On. So they're making mint off this alien off this alien tech nonsense. And uh, their, their goal is to maintain Majestic 12's power and grow it to other countries if possible. Makes sense. So they're, they're so they're using their 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 magic clearance, their their super user intelligence to gain dirt on everyone and everything to be used as leverage in the future. And you can't really, and even other elements in the government who might be opposed to this, really can't do anything because they don't have the clearance. Exactly. It's like, oh, what what's this magic clearance? Uh, do you have it? No. Then you don't need to know. Shut up. I, I think what that is it? someone it's over here might might is. be doing something we don't like. Nope. Suck it. You don't. You don't need to know that. Nope. It's for the good of you know, good of the country. Sorry, buddy. But well, I have top secret clearance. No, that's that's sissy clearance. Well, it's kind of like yeah, uh, I don't know if it's still true, but for the longest time, the CIA and the NSA, when they submitted their budget to Congress, didn't have unlike everyone else, didn't have to line item it. They would just say we need this money. What for? Oh, National security. Oh, see that that that's that's the cool thing though. There is no there is no yeah they have uh, no budgetary budget. oversight for yeah. for Majestic Twelve. None. No, yeah, they they just say, hey, we we need this much money, and the NSA says, all right, and they just give it to them. Well, that's why the NSA the, has the to. The NSA has to figure out how to justify that money to Congress. Well, that's why the NSA go to Congress, and the Congress says, what's this for? And they just say, national security. Yeah, and that's it. Sorry, Majestic Twelve doesn't doesn't officially exist. They're like honey badger; they don't care. Yeah. Okay. Do what you gotta do. Just just uh, make sure we get our money and everything we need, and then shut up. Okay. And that's what they do. Now, uh, jumps get to 1994. I right. would think at some point they're going to have a pretty big confrontation with Delta Green. Well, uh, Major General Major General Reginald Fairfield, uh, he, he was one of, the, one of the top people in, in Delta Green when it was legit back, uh, back, back before 1970. And uh, he was another top. He was, uh, he was also a top leader when it went rogue after that. He finally retired from the military, and he and he retired from Delta Green, and finally his contacts that were whispering Majestic Twelve, whispering stuff, would now talk to him because he's now retired, and he probably doesn't have the ability to do anything really bad. Yeah, there's this there's a shadow organization part of the NSA that is actually talking to aliens, and they're selling us out. 
uh, people are getting disappeared and killed and and they're just covering it up. Well, he was pissed. Well, yeah. He was super pissed. And so he dug and he got as much information as possible about these guys. Well, in doing so, Majestua found out about him and they said, you know what? Uh, we, we read this guy's file. He he is old school military. He is going to do he's going to dog with a bone. He's not going to let it go. We have to sanction it. We have to kill. Him. So they, they sent six guys. Five came back. The other guys were dead. And the 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 uh, captain of the of the assassin team, which, by the way, was the same guy who who shot the the uh, the uh, two security forces guys who, who fired on the aliens during the initial accord. Yeah. Uh, he came back and he and they said, "What happened?" He said, uh, "He killed all the men, I, but I, I killed him. Don't worry." Well, what happened to him? I don't want to talk about it. Hmm. But no, no, I don't. I Interesting. Talk about it. Yeah, uh, Major General Fairfield was in a bunker of his own design. They assaulted the bunker, and uh, uh, this this guy Lupus, I think his name was Adolf Lupus, something like that. It's it's, it's something very Nazi like. I gotta yep, think. Adolf Adolf Lepus. Sorry, Adolf Lepus. Uh, uh, broke into Fairfield's private bunker beneath his rural farm and murdered him. Of the six agents who entered the bunker, only one, Lepus, survived. He prevented backup agents from entering and, in fact, blew up the bunker, burying all corpses. Only Lepus and possibly his boss, Gavin, uh, Gavin Ross, his superior, know what killed the Delta agents. But rumor has it that Fairfield wasn't alone and that Lepus and Ross are covering up whatever it was that killed the men. Because... When you're when you're a Delta Green agent for say thirty years, even if you don't dabble in magic on purpose, magic's gonna happen to you. Yeah, you got a lot. Of, you're gonna have some knickknacks laying around. Exactly. You got you got a couple of uh, trinket trophies from the day, and apparently uh, General Fairfield used these trinkets. And Le- and Lepis said, you know what? Nope. I'm just gonna burn this whole place to the ground. Nope. Sometimes nope, that's all you can do. Yep. I don't want to know that. I'm not telling anybody else that. No one's gonna believe me. I'll get sent off to a loony bin. So there you go. And, uh, but before, uh, uh, Fairfield died, he had sent off to several other leaders, uh, current leaders of Delta green, all of his files. So now Delta green knows about Majestic 12. They know about the aliens. They know about the deal and Majestic 12 is kind of spooked. They're like, okay, well we knew Delta green was around, but they, and they were an illegal conspiracy in the government, but, they never bothered us because they're worried about this weird culty crap that doesn't exist. And we're, and we're dealing with real stuff that does exist. Wouldn't they show up in the, the accord or the, uh, the report? Yeah. No, no, because, uh, Delta green, like I said, on, on illegal conspiracy, every single piece of equipment that Delta green uses is equipment owned by the federal government. Oh, that's right. So it never show up as Delta green. It would show up as part of Delta green doesn't have any weapons. The FBI has weapons. The CIA, the NSA, the the fish and fish and wildlife. They have they have all the guns and stuff. It's just Delta Green's borrowing them for a bit, and they give them back. So, yeah, yeah, makes sense. Exactly. Ah, logic. So it, I like it. Doesn't show up in doesn't show up in the in the report. I like it. But now Delta Green in its brand new because uh, uh, in in '94 after this incident that they, they split off into the into the cell into the cell conspiracy uh, makeup. So now Cell A has all this data, and and when uh, a, a Delta Green team encounters something majestic twelve-ish, they get all the data. So there you go. 
So so Majestic 12 has plans to use Delta Green and then burn them later on. Well, it's not a bad plan, really. Yeah. Now, all of this is fine and good. Aliens exist. Uh, the U.S. government's conspiring with them against the U.S. citizens, excuse me, for technology and and military might. That's great, but it's not the truth. All right, let's hear it. The truth is all of it was lies. The, there's no such thing as aliens. Well, no, all mythos creatures are aliens, but there's right. no such thing as the greys because the, the, the greys are uh, genetic made up from, from the ground up by uh, a mythos race called the Miko. And you can see them in the picture here. They are gross. They are lovely. Alien-like. and uh, Their whole thing was uh, they, they created the Greys and created the spaceship and crashed it on purpose to see what the U.S. government would do. And they covered it up. And the Miko were like, awesome. They're like, sweet, this works out very well for us. Yes. And then they did a couple of experimental, you know, abductions here and there. A little, little more crash material there. And the U.S. government covered it up, covered it up, covered it up. And like, all right, well, let's let's uh, let's introduce ourselves. Oh, great. They're farming themselves for us. That's nice. Exactly. Now, what? Why do all this? Why go through this elaborate charade just 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 uh, as a as a as a prank, a goof? What? No, the Migo want to study human brains. Now, the the the, the Migo are a fungus-based life form. All right, alien fungus to be sure, but still fungus. Now, they can they can change any cell in their body. One second it could be a muscle. One second, next second it could be a bone. The next second it could be a brain cell. All right. 40% of every Migo body is brain. They have amazing intellectual powers. Amazing. There's a problem with that, though. Unlike any other race the Migo have, have ever seen, and they've been around for ooh, about 130 million years, as, as far as they can remember. They have yeah. not seen a race that can take intuitive leaps like humans can. The Migo and every other race that they've, they've seen, to get to D... You have to start at A, go to B, go to C, and then you'll arrive at D. Well, a human being can start at A, go to B, and says, wait a minute, I know where this is going. It's going to D. And just jump over C without, without proving it exists and come to the correct answer more often than not. Well, the Migo think this is awesome, and they want to be able to do this because they constantly have to prioritize every second of every day between uh, analyt analytical thought processes and memory storage. That's you know, pretty they, they have to make you have to make priorities like that. Right. So they constantly have to dump memory because their memories get, get their memory storage gets filled up. Well, if if they don't need as much computational power, if they can make intuitive leaps like humans can, they can they can devote much more of their brain to storage. So they don't have to lose their history. Makes sense. Which is exactly what they're doing. I mean, uh, the, uh, each individual amigo is both brilliant and naive. Because any experience that individual amigo deems inappropriate, deems worthless, he'll dump immediately in, in favor of new, new memories. So, you know, he could forget something that happened a minute ago because 10 seconds ago, his brain deemed it unworthy of storage. With intuition, you can scale back all the brain power needed to, to follow to follow all the, the paths between A to A and D to get to D, you can make intuitive jumps 
and you can have much more for storage. So they are testing humans for that. They abduct them, they test them, they cut open their brains, see what's going on. Okay, how do we how do we mimic this process? Put them back together, and if they live, great. Put them back there, and and you use spells to to wipe their memories, and that's why they don't remember anything. All right, makes sense. Now, uh, Majestic Twelve contacted the, the Greys uh, about five five or so years ago, and they were like, guys. Um, you guys have been really ramping up this whole human experimentation thing, and a lot more people are dying. You said you weren't going to do that. What's up? And the Greys responded with, you will keep up your, your end of the agreement. And they didn't say or else, but Majestic 12 said, yeah, that's pretty much an all your else. So like, mm. okay, we will. Yay. Well, the reason, the reason they're doing that is because apparently everyone in the universe knows the, the great old ones are going to wake up except humans. You know, the, the Migo know. They're like, oh, the stars are coming right. Uh, human race is doomed. Uh, uh, that'll better... suck for them. Yeah, it sucks for them. We better get what we need bef- before we have to get out of here. Before they're all wiped <laughs> because, out. Yeah, because we don't want to be around when Cthulhu wakes up either. He's no joke. We, wanna get <laughs> we don't need any of that. Here. We have another dimension yeah, so, to slip to. We'll be okay. Exactly. So so they started ramping up all of their procedures, all, all of their abduction stuff throughout the throughout the country. They've they've escalated because they know that they don't have hundreds of years. They have years, like maybe even single digit years. So they got to get all the testing they can. Dang. Now, uh, bad news for the world. Uh, Majestic 12 doesn't believe in the mythos. So they're never going to get it. But if Delta green were to investigate the grays, they might be able to let them know. They're the ones who would be able to get it. Who would, who would make, who would make the leap that, wait a minute, these, these are, real that i've seen this before sell egos i've seen this before the freaking migo are doing it oh my god the freaking bums and then you know they'll be able to stop it but majestic 12 doesn't have it now the the crazy thing is majestic 12 unknown to them is in charge of of handling all of the artifacts and survivors of the Innsmouth raid in 1920 whatever mm. That, that originally made Delta Green happen. But no one on the on the steering committee, the, the, the twelve members of the, the twelve members on the leadership committee, know about that because that's been running on autopilot for decades. Seriously, no one's checked in on that. No one's cracked that file in over forty years. Not surprising, it is the government. Yeah. So they're they're basically, you know, people are guarding them, but the reports aren't making it all the way to the top. They're just getting filed in some circular file somewhere. Great. Great. Wonderful. So that is, that is in a nutshell, Majestic 12. They are, they are a legal uh, shadow, shadow organization inside the government uh, created for the sole purpose of dealing with an alien threat that in reality doesn't exist. A farce from the beginning. And so is their entire organization. But they don't know that. Oh, that would make them sad. And that is Heathen Dawes Call of Cthulhu Explanation of Ancient Horror based on 5th edition Cassian rules. Now, I, I don't have any other big, big deals with uh, with uh, Call of Cthulhu right now. I mean, I th- that's pretty much the end of uh, of your, your general uh, explanations. So I'm looking for another RPG. So throw it up in the in the chat. Throw it in our YouTube comments. Uh, I'll I'll have Max Liao put out a uh, a, a Facebook poll 
to see what RPG you want me to review next. Because is it brand new? Is it old? You know, hey, Paranoia 2nd Edition came out in the early 80s. I'll do that one. Uh, World of Darkness 1st Edition came oh. out in the came out in the Well, I mean, Vampire 1st Edition was very different than it is Vampire now. Vampire 1st is very different than what they have now. But I have all the books for 1st Edition, so I'll do that one. Ooh, but I could do that too. If you have a brand new one came out, that, that that you think eh, I might want to get into, I'll have Heathen Dog get into it first, see if it's any good. I'll take a look at it. It's up. It's up to the viewer. I'll do. I'll do whatever you like. All right. We'll have to set that up. Send your suggestions to us uh, through Twitter, Facebook, or any other means you can. That's right. You can even comment now, on this video. Yes, you can leave a comment on this video, and we will see it. Don't worry. Now, uh, today's celebratory drink is 99 proof. Root beer. That sounds pretty good. Well, we'll find out. I don't know if it's going to be good or not. But I we'll, like root beer. We'll Some people say it tastes like toothpaste, but I like root beer. We'll find out. Well, it smells like root beer. Give me that much. Star Trek Adventures, says Duncan Idaho. Well, do you mean, what's Adventures? Do you mean like, which, there's been multiple Star Trek RPGs. I have the original one. Oh. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's alcoholic root beer. All right. Wow. <laughs> Well, you know they actually make like uh, not your father's root beer, so like that, like actual like carbonated root beer with alcohol in it. It's pretty good. This one's uh, forty-nine point five percent alcohol. That's so. not the same thing. Doug Lass is the one Shield of Tomorrow is doing. I'm not sure what that is. I think that's the newest version of Star of the Star Trek RPG. Oh yeah, the original Star Trek Duncan Idaho, the original Star Trek role-playing game, uh, was released in the late '80s or mid '80s. Um, that's the one where you'll hear like me and Heathen Dog joke about assassinate captain, gain new rank. Yeah. Uh, yeah because that was always fun. when you would roll up your character, yeah, when you roll up your character, if you had a Klingon character, um, as part of your background, you're rolling that up. You could actually roll a result that said assassinate captain, gain new rank. So you could actually start the game like as a lieutenant commander if you assassinate enough captains. Right. Yeah, that, that's how it works on. That's how it worked on a on a Klingon ship. I mean, they, they they prize strength above all else. And if the captain couldn't defend himself against a subordinate, he didn't deserve to be captain. Yep. But since since that guy moved up in rank, there's a hole. Then the next person moves up, and the next person after that moves up. Everyone gets promotion. Yep. Right. <laughs> you just gotta watch your back the whole time. Yeah, the, literally the whole time. But they they did that because hey, a strong warrior wouldn't fall for an assassination. Attempt. Right. And also, uh, a strong warrior's crew wouldn't want to assassinate him. Exactly, because he's a fine leader, and they're going to lead them to glory. Right. All right. So there you go. If you want more Heathen Dogma, and I know you do, you can check your, check out it on YouTube. English, I do speak it at times. Uh, you can check out his anime and RPG segments and his team-ups in the Star Trek Online Foundry with that Garthon guy. Uh, you can check out past streams of his Star Trek Online of leveling Buck Fats McCool, the scourge, I mean, hero of the galaxy. And oh, you know what? I, I may actually bring out Buck Fats McCool again when season 14 comes out. That's a good idea. Mm-hmm. I'll not team with him. Um, also, <laughs> the, the McCool works alone. <laughs> uh, both out of necessity and because he wants no to. No one will work with him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can watch his playthrough of Darkest Dungeon, which he will never play again. Nope. Uh, you can watch that, his yeah. partial playthrough of Observer and tell the game made him fall down an infinite hole. Yes, and over and over again. Check his the complete... only way to go fell took me off the map and you can so. check his complete playthrough amnesia the dark descent which yes. is really creepy at times yes sometimes it's very creepy like uh describing torture the last episode 
no, in the episode before last, the one before the last episode, it was describing all those torture devices. Yeah, that was a bit much for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was, that was creepy. It was creepy. Um, and also, you check his streams every week, Monday and Thursday, of Amnesia, a time for a machine for pigs. Yeah, also gifted by Baldar. Oh, Baldar, what are you doing to us? And also, um, Starway Fleet from time to time. Yes. That's, right. uh, if, if, uh, if, as a matter of fact, the last episode of uh, the the Dark Descent ended after 40 minutes. I didn't realize it was it was that yeah. quick. So after that, I just played Starway Fleet. Indeed, he did. And shot a bunch of did my space battles. Well, people need to get shot in space, and you were there to shoot them. I was, and I did. <laughs> Doug Tyler says that he would base his entire character about fast-tracking to the top. Well, the problem was it was all random rolls, so you really couldn't yeah. count on it. Sometimes you would get uneventful year. Like, woo. Woo. Oh, oh, Duncan Idaho, uh, you, you reminded me when, when you're talking about your reactions to the last two uh, SSF ahead of me. Uh, I want to I give uh, a shout-out to Admiral Aaron. Uh, yes, we did. Uh, not... Review Invictus. Yeah, yeah, we 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 did review Invictus, and we were not pleased well, at the ending. Right, you three started. I four started. Uh, I was more forgiving you at the ending, but the yeah, ending was a bit yeah. muddled. The ending was a little shenanigans, like a little bit. It didn't it didn't seem like it, but I read your Twitter posts. I did, and and you said that uh, that the, the next the next episode after this coming coming in October is going to explain that well, real fast turnaround that... that uh, well, he said, he said that, he's adding some did. some optional dialogue in the Council Chamber explaining what happened there, and also the next mission has more into it. And yes. that's awesome. I mean... That is great. It is, is great. It's a great mission. Well, you got the typos, too. Well, yeah. It is, I mean, Invictus is a good mission in the Star Trek Online Foundry. Uh, Admiral Aaron has made some beautiful set pieces. I liked the mission a lot. So, it, it, except for the telepathic rape. Yep. He's also leaving his missions as a series, which is great. Excellent. All right. All right. That, I, so I just wanted to say that because I read his Twitter post and and I didn't want to think that that we hated him and all he stood for. We don't. We do not. Uh, he is not um, Galvatron. I see you. <sighs> triggered. I'm triggered. 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 I'm triggered. Well, let's untrigger you with everyone's favorite. Yeah, I said that segment. Garthon's comic poll. Where Garthon pulls comics and talks with them. Uh, Heathen Dog turned off his camera. He's too sad. And me didn't like me saying the Garthland's comic is everyone's favorite. Anyway, let's talk about the Avengers number 11. I guess I'll be talking alone since Heathen Dog is in a nope, fetal I'm position. Back. I'm back. All right. I, I had to I had to calm down. Had to get more alcohol. Nope, nope. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the, the G-I-C-U guy that came into my head and I had to. All right, very nice. So uh, this was written by Mark Wade. Uh, artist is Mike Del Mundo. Uh, the colors by Mike Del Mundo and Marco D'Alfonso. The cover is by Alex Ross, who everyone loves Alex Ross because he paints. Why is that? Because he's a painter. Uh, he's a really good painter. He he first came to fame. Um, I mean, he doesn't digitally paint. He does that too. But main like real paint on canvas, oils, watercolors, all the acrylics, all the uh, good stuff. Let me guess. Mainly trees. No, not happy trees. He mainly superheroes, but he came to fame by drawing, by painting like superheroes. If this person was real, how would they have to look? Mm. And so even in this sure, cover, yeah, I'm sure he had a great time with uh, with Power Girl and how she can't stand upright. Um, actually, you should see his paintings of Power Girl. They're really interesting because he draws her more as a bodybuilder. You know, she's mm. kind of wide, big shoulders. You know, she's not like super skinny and just hee hee like J. Scott Campbell likes to draw. 
she has very realistic proportions. She's still heavy up top, but it's, it's a realistic proportion. Okay. Anyway, you can see his work here in this cover. Yeah, you know, realistic proportions. You know, look like they could be real people. They could be some very in shape cosplayers. They, like I said, very in shape, but still doable. It's what you would expect a superhero to be doing, someone who's constantly relying on their physical prowess. Mm -hmm. God says he hopes I have the uh, Gothic Cop Falls by ringtone. I should set that. Anyway. Um, I don't know why it's not. Uh, it's beautiful. It's one of the best th jingles ever. So, in this, the reason I chose to review this book this week, uh, The Avengers is an interesting book. Uh, Mike Del Mundo uses a digital painted style for it. Um, when it works, it's great. As I've said before, when it doesn't work, it just looks kind of muddled. Uh, Mark Wade is a pretty famous writer in Marvel circles. The reason I chose to review this book out of like, all the books I got this week, and there are quite a few actually, um, was mainly because there are two, well, there are three plots throughout the book. One is Spider-Man and the new Wasp finally learn to get along. Oh. Eh. Whatever. Okay. It was fun. Which not a fan. It, I'm not a fan of them. I wasn't a fan of them like not getting along, but I don't care that they had to like have a little arc where they kind of buddy up and find that they're both like science geeks and they use that to to be friends. Sure. Um. What was interesting? Well, the two interesting story arcs that took up most of the time was. Sam Wilson, the former uh, Captain America, uh, is going back to being the Falcon after the event, the horrible, dis mind-destroying, nonsensical events of Secret Empire. When he gave uh, Steve Rogers, Captain America, the shield, it wasn't just, hey, take the shield and beat up evil Cap. It was, you know, hey, the shield's yours. And he isn't taking it back. He's going Wait, back. I thought, I thought he was, they were setting him up to be Captain America. So did one. I. Because that's what everything looked like. But no, he says he's going back to being Falcon. Doesn't need to be Captain America. Doesn't want it. And he actually pulls uh, Femme Thor aside. I'm sorry, just Thor. But to make it easy, it's not Odinson Thor. It's Jane Foster Thor, Femme Thor. Pulls her aside and says, hey, I want to talk to you. She's like, well, what's going on? Um, he says, I'm not Captain America anymore. I'm Falcon. I'm happier as Falcon. I'm not leaving the team. Don't worry about it. Because she's like, you're leaving. No, I'm not leaving. But I want you to be team leader. And which, of course, what? is a minor cliffhanger that gets resolved later in the book, which turns into she's like, why? Well, you're strong. You know, the Avengers have always been led by a powerhouse member, and I'm not Captain America, and almost everyone on this team, when Captain America speaks, they listen. I'm not Captain America. Mm. So they'll listen to you. You're Thor. And you're a good leader. I've seen it. And she kind of... She's she, kind of a newbie, though, right? I mean, she is a newbie. Um, do you see Duncan Idaho, uh, Duncan Idaho says oh did you guys see news of how Stanley reacted to learning that evil capturing a comic panel kind of flipped actually after I talk about this issue I'll, I'll address that Duncan Idaho okay so um, they have a conversation she basically tells him no I'm not going to take over as leader you're the leader of this team not me people listen to you not a suit um, you've shown time since you became leader, you've shown you're worthy of it. You're a good man. There's no reason for you not to be a leader. So it's yours. I'm not taking it. Screw you. You're in charge. He And you deserve uh -huh. it. And he goes, well, shucks. I'll, okay. Which is kind of, you know, it was nice seeing that transition. Like, he kind of like, look, I'll step back in my cab. It, it was a nice, with how Falcon's been written in the past, 
that actually makes sense that he would do okay. that. Because Falcon is a great – to me, he's always been a great superhero. He's always been kind of a sidekick. Um, it's always been Captain America and Falcon. But yeah, yeah. He's, he's, the, he's the current era Bucky. Yes. But he's always been someone who cares about his team. He's always been someone you can rely on. He's always been smart uh, in tactics. He's never been like, – of course, he got tied up occasionally, but, you know, so did Captain America. You know, that's kind of like a sidekick's job. Yeah. But I do. his character has had a lot of growth. Um, there was a period in the 80s when the government, uh, Henry Peter Gyrick, was... I hate that guy. Everyone hates that guy. But he was the, like, lead, government liaison to the Avengers. And it was actually an interesting issue where he came in and he fired two-thirds of the Avengers. Because the Avengers had, like, 30 people on the team at that point. He's like, all right, two-thirds of you, you're fired because we're paying the bills. You're gone. Uh, you don't have enough women. You, you, you're on the team. You don't have enough any minorities. Uh, Falcon, you're an Avenger. He's like, I didn't even want to be an Avenger. You're an Avenger. <laughs> Shut your hole. So that's actually how he got inducted on the team. He's like, the government made him. He's like, I don't even want to. Oh, we're looking at Here's your tax. Your <laughs> it's like we're looking into your tax history. Oh, Avengers, yes. <laughs> um, but after like that ended, it's like Seuss Gyrick went away. He's like, okay, I'm done being an Avenger. Poop, peace. But it was nice to see, like I said, his character has grown. It was nice to see him say, take the opportunity to step back and say, if you guys don't want me as leader because I'm not Cap, I understand. I'm cool with it. I still want to be in the team. I know we're not getting any funding from anywhere, really. We're still poor, but you know, I'll step back. Because Peter Parker was funding them, but he blew all his cash being an idiot. idiot. Yeah, and he has no info. That's actually a great part at the beginning of the book. All of them talk about how dumb Peter Parker is. and how They, they are? Because their headquarters was in the top of the Baxter building, which was owned by Parker Industries, and he gave them the top two floors as Avengers headquarters. And Spider-Man's on the team. Peter Parker's on the team. And after he lost everything, they go to the Baxter building, and all their stuff is like on the front door, at the front step, because the owners just booted him out without telling him. And they're like, God dang it, Parker, you moron! You had, Why did you... you know? Because he blew all his money being an idiot, honestly. I mean, uh, at the very least, he could have made sure in the event of a catastrophic failure of management, i.e. Peter Parker, uh, the, the uh, top two floors are paid in advance in, in perpetuity for uh, whatever. Uh, Parker doesn't think that far ahead. Or he would have had something set up to where it was that was a separate entity, not part of his holdings. Yes. Anyway, there could yes. have been a million things to do, but he was yeah, a million things he could have done that I, th- I can think of in, in the time that you told me that this happened. Right. And he didn't think of anything because Dr. Octopus should be the, the, you know, Spider-Man from now till forever. Right. But Peter Parker operated on a whim when he bought the back. Well, kind of a whim when he bought the bastard building. Like I want to protect this building from other people taking and developing it. This is a historic artifact. You know, this is the fantastic force building. Mm -hmm. So he just bought it on those grounds and like, Oh, Hey, I'll put the Avengers in there. Oh, sweet. That was just his thinking, not, I need to protect this in case something happens. Anyway. Idiot. But the main plot thing, the reason I wanted to recommend this book, or talk about it, is after the events that have happened recently in the Avengers book, Vision has come to the full realization that something he's suspected for a long time, that he is effectively immortal. His synthoid body does not age. Yeah, but it's a machine. I mean, he's going to need spare parts at some point. He, ah, he has self-repairing nanites throughout his whole system. He, he maintains his system at equilibrium forever. And if you cut off his head, 
His memory's still intact. You can attach him to a new body and he'll be okay. Plus, he has memory backups. He's effectively immortal. He could download himself to the internet if he felt like it. He's effectively immortal because he dealt with a future version of himself from thousands of years in the future. And it wasn't a fake. It wasn't an evil clone. It was him from the future. And he had to come to the realization of, oh, crap, I'm immortal. And he started, like, wondering what... Started having to have, like, an existential crisis. Like, what do you do with immortality? How do you handle that? Everyone I love is going to die. Every, you know, I have hard enough times making friends. They're all going to be dead. Why even bother? Right? And so he... Because you got lots of time to make new ones, baby. You're fine. So he eventually, he goes they'll, to... Her- they'll die too. So what? He, well, he ends up going to Hercules. Mm. And said, all right, Hercules. a long time. Yeah. yeah, he's like, Hercules, you're you're immortal, right? He's like, well, I don't know about that. I, I remember being a youth. I, you know, I age very slowly. But essentially, yeah. It's like, well, how do you deal with it? He's like, well, I'm, I was born with it. It's just how I am. I had to get used to it. And it's actually... Hercules is an interesting character in that... The way he's always been written is to have ha ha drink and you know drink and feast and bash their enemies' heads and laugh the day away and wench and you know all that stuff. But he's also half been written as almost a philosopher. He liked that classical Greek ideal of the perfect body and the philosophical mind, the love of learning. And Mark Wade did a great job grabbing that in this issue. And that when Vision comes to him with his problem, he's like, you know what? Let's go drink. And they don't end up going to a bar and getting sloshed. They end up going to like a local tavern for lunch and eating. And when Vision, but all these people start like coming up like, oh, wow, I want to get their picture. So while Hercules is talking with Vision, it's starting to use this backdrop of people like taking selfies with them and signing autographs. Uh, so they're talking about the isolation that it could he's like i'm worried about you vision you're already someone who stands apart from people apart from society you let very few people in and you're i can already tell that this revelation is causing you to even pull further away that's the wrong thing to do it's true in my life i'd make a friend a great friend we would share battle and drinks and then before my beard even grew they'd be dead i'd step away for to do something else and come back and they would have they're old men or old women and that's something I had to get used to and the solution to this is not to run away to avoid people but is to make more friends to always be open to accept all the differences life can bring and all the joy that's there and although it's painful to lose them because everyone around you is mortal as long as you remember them they're always with you, and that makes them as immortal as you are. And it's just, it just was a really nice speech that he gave to him the whole time, and it's very much, I think, capturing Hercules's character in a way I haven't seen done in a while. Um, so just fantastic writing by Mark Wade through that point. The art I wasn't super fond of, but it worked. I did kind of like they're having a deep conversation while at the same time, you know, I mean, all these people are wanting to like have that peace, that moment with them. They're talking about long-term immortality and what that means and all the effects of it. At the same time, all these people are looking for that, a brief second with them. And as immortals, that's all anyone even has with them. So th- I thought that was a great image there once you put those two together. So just they, they knocked that imagery out of the park. I loved it. Um, 
So I really like the book. Interesting points were coming up. Uh, it's actually a pretty good jumping on point for the series, too, if you feel like starting to read the Avengers. This isn't my favorite Avengers series. That's U.S. Avengers, which is kind of a weird series on itself. But great jumping on point. Really fond of what happened this issue. Liked the art. Great coloring. They didn't try to do anything weird with the coloring. I wish I wish uh, Doom was in it, but you, know, you can't have everything. So what do I give this book? I give it four stars right there. Four stars. Wow, that's impressive. Really liked this book. I don't give four stars a lot, but I really liked this book. I thought Mark Wade did a great job capturing a lot of complex feelings um, in a way that's relatable. Next book. Let's talk. Oh, wait. I, uh, before the next book, I promised Duncan Idaho I would talk about Stan Lee flipping out by hearing about Cap turning uh, into Captain Hydra at a panel. That did happen. But here's the thing Stan Lee knew a year ago about that happening. There's interviews with him about it. Um, and he thought, I think it's a He said in these interviews, you could find them, uh, CBR has a couple of them, a few others that he thought it was a great idea. It's a nice shakeup of the world and some commentary on the world events. And I think those guys are doing a bang-up job. Excelsior! Um, so he knew. Uh, it's entirely possible that during that panel, when he got really upset and said he needed to make some phone calls, that he was acting. That he was just playing the crowd for laughs. Because um, some of the crowd laughed and some of them thought he was serious. Because he knew. And... He's in his, but then again, he's in his 90s, so he might have forgotten, or he might have been trying to play it off as a joke, but because he's 90s, he doesn't have the charisma to do it anymore. So it's kind of a mess there. But it probably is skullduggery. Skullduggery. Yeah. I agree, Duncan Idaho. I think Stan, my personal opinion is Stanley is fully aware of it, and he was trying to play it as a joke, as though he didn't know. He knew. There's, it's well documented that he knew. But Stanley's kind of a weird character anyway. Stanley has become a caricature of himself in his old age, which often happens with celebrities. Onward to Batman number 31. Written by Tom King, artist Michael Janin, colors by Jun Chung, and the cover by Michael Janin. Do you like the cover? That's what That's the art nice. It is. That's what the art side looks like. Um, wow. I've been pretty fond of Michael Janin's art. It's. It's good comic book art. I really like it. It's realistic, but unrealistic at the same time. It's been a lot of fun reading through. It's a very understated style, though. It's not super dynamic. So the action scenes can kind of feel a little underwhelming, but everything's beautiful in it. And the action scenes still work. Um, he doesn't have like the ability of Jim Lee to like pull you into an action scene, but they're still very well done. Uh, in this... It's uh, the War of Jokes and Riddles uh, continues where Joker and Riddler are fighting over the rights to kill Batman, essentially. Right. Um, at this point, Joker's lost almost everything. He's down to like two henchmen at this point. Ouch. Like a miscellaneous thug and Kite Man. Oh, yeah. We remember Kite Man. Yeah. Last issue was like sympathy for kite man it was the kite man backstory and it was i reviewed that one and i was surprisingly pleased with it i like really liked it and they even kite man even got the catchphrase of kite man hell yeah <laughs> which is just ridiculous but uh so tom king really 
I haven't said the nicest things about it, but that last issue just really made me appreciate that. This issue is really nice as well. I don't like the backdrop of this is all a story of Bruce Wayne talking to Selina Kyle, Catwoman, right. post-coitus, apparently, as he's sitting next to the bed, and she's still laying in it looking all saucy, saying, I need to tell you these things because I'm the Batman, and the Batman needs you to know what happened and whether or not I'm worthy of you to marry me because I'm the Batman. Yeah, I don't... Yeah... Yeah, he's he's a giant cluster of, of psychological damage, and I think she knows that already. Well, she's probably in the same bag of psycho issues. Yeah, you know, yeah. they're like their insanity meshes well. Mm. But uh, neat issue uh, starts off with uh, you know they need someone to spy on the Joker. Just going on, um, and they get Catwoman to do it. <laughs> Saucy, I was just very saucer in my neck nuggets. That's but a little weak. You nugget. can do better than that, Doctor. <laughs> um, anyway, Catwoman's just spying on him. They're trying to find a way in the building. There's traps everywhere. Bombs will explode everything. Um, and they see Joker, like, with his last henchman. And he has this knife out. He's, like, going... He's, like... He's, like, will you remember me in a year? Uh, yeah, boss, of course they will. Will you remember me in a month? Well, yeah. Will you remember me in a week? Yeah. Will you remember me in 10 minutes? Well, of course. What about next second? Would you remember me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. So he walks away. Ah, knock, knock. Who's there? You said you remember me! And start stabbing him. Outstanding. Well, I, I wonder why he can't keep a henchman. Yeah. <laughs> I, wonder, I, I had to laugh. That was... All right, that's funny. That's, you should have seen that coming, buddy, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I really did. <sighs> he didn't laugh, though. He still can't laugh. No. But it's like, you know, they're calling him like, Catwoman, you see the Javathan Joker, what's he doing? He's stabbing a guy. Uh, it was his last fact. guy. He's <laughs> stabbing his last guy who doesn't fly kites. Well, Kite Man is actually with Riddler and Batman, because at the end of the last issue, they had captured him. And Riddler was like, hey, you know, you're going to help me out now, because you're one of the last, you're the Joker's last super-powered uh, henchman. As much what, as did they actually go like this? <laughs> no, but it was in quotes though. Uh, but as much as uh, kites are a superpower, he's right, his last right. superpowered henchman. Um, so, as soon as Joker notices Catwoman looking in the window, he starts shooting out the window, and she's fine, of course. And they realize, oh, the windows aren't rigged, so we can go in through one of the windows. And like, how do we get in? Well, that's why they have Kite Man. He rigs everyone up with uh, paragliders, you know, kites essentially. And they all fly through, sure. and Batman's like, just you and me, Riddler. Riddler's like, oh, no, 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 we have a deal. My men come with me. No, 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 we're all going, we're all going. So Mad Hatter, Killer Croc, Clue Master, basically all these guys are going with them. Uh, so they're on, the pair, they're on their gliders with Kite Man. It's like, can you do this, Kite Man? Hell yeah. They all go in, they crash in, they get Joker, blah, blah, blah. And uh, Kite Man's with them. They're all together. They're all going to kill Joker. And I was like, whoa, you can't kill Joker. I'm going to take him in. It's like, no, no, that's it. You know what? And since we outnumber you, we're going to kill you too, Batman. Yay! Batman's like, oh, really? Kite Man? Kite Man's like, hell yeah! And activates the retro rockets he put in their uh, kites. And, the, and all of his henchmen go shooting out the window because they still have their kites on. Sure. Where Alfred is waiting, you know, in the bat blimp to uh, just, you know, put them in cages as they float up to him. So it ends, I'm skipping over a lot of stuff, of course, but it basically ends with Riddler 
Joker and Batman together, only one will emerge victorious. And that's the DC equivalent of Thunderdome. Yeah, pretty much. But then it goes to back to Batman and Selina Kyle, present day. He's like, that's when I had to do it. The thing that tortures my past because I'm Batman and I have tortures, things in my past. And you won't like it, Catwoman. And that's why you should know if you really want to be with the man who did what I did next. And that's when it ends. It's like, all right, that's a little heavy handed for foreshadowing. Because I actually was yeah. curious where it was going, but that's a lot heavy-handed. That is like a step away from what happens next, Bat fans. Tune in next week, same Bat time, same Bat channel. You know, you know, you are a Bat comic away from that happening. Um, but the comic was good enough where I really wanted to know what happened next. When I hit that last page, I was like, "You good? Oh, God. you ruined it! You, yeah, yeah, Duncan Ido." I did business with Riddler and Joker. I gave them each $30 and a coupon for Big Macs. And I, don't, I gave each of them a joke book and told them whoever had the funniest delivery would be the winner. And I would take them for ice cream. You know, I don't know. <laughs> Bat sobs. Yeah, and so I don't know what he could have done that was so terrible. I should have figured out something. Like he said, I'd let Riddler... No, let, i let Riddler kill a bunch of people. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever it is. I don't but overall, I really like the issue. Um, oh, Kite Man's still unconscious in the room, too. I forgot that part. After they all got ejected out, Riddler's like, how could you, you... We had a deal. He's like, you killed my family. You thought I'd willingly work with you and let you kill me and take all your thugs? Hell no. Then Joker turns him, Kite Man. He's like, hell yeah. And then Joker punches him in the face and knocks him out. Which I liked. Sure. It was funny. So I both really liked... And kind of didn't like this issue. Yeah, it sounds like three stars to me. Yeah, it's, it's you know... Maybe three and a half. Uh, I don't know what I got. Three stars. I'll get it three. Yeah, maybe three and a half. That's two and a half. Wrong way. Pew. Um, I'll give it three. Man, I liked it. The art was really solid the whole time. I liked what it was paced. It has some interesting story elements. It has kind of some funny stuff in it. It was a good book. It was a fun book. It wasn't great, though. It was, but I it was good enough that I really want. Uh, I gotta go three and a half because it was good enough that I really wanted to see what happened next. I really wanted that uh, another three panels. So I, okay, kick it up, three and a half stars. Okay, good. Last book book is U.S. Avengers number ten. All right, one of my favorite series. I review it almost every time. Uh, writer Al Ewing, artist Paco Diaz, colors by Jesus Alberto. Uh, cover by Pac Medina, Juan Blasco, and Jesus Alberto. That's what the book looks like inside, kids. Uh, scene does not appear within the book. At all. Of course. Even a little bit. Not even close. This is a transitional issue of the book. Really? Uh, we're post-Secret Empire. Um, mm-hmm. General... St- oh, I just forgot his name. Red Hulk. Zod. Not, not Zod. Uh, the Red Hulk... Is, oh, Thunderbolt uh, Ross. No, it's not Ross. No, it's not Ross anymore? No, Ross is... Uh, he was a Red Hulk. Yeah. Uh, this is General Robert L. Maverick. Oh, okay. Um, who was the government liaison to the US Avengers, who was also the Red Hulk. Um, he had the ability to turn to Hulk for like an hour a day. Um, then he made a deal with AIM, a- AIM agents who were working for Hydra to turn the Hulk stuff on all the time, but also turned him into their meat puppet. 
it starts off with them trying to de-meat puppetize him. It's like they're like, look, yeah, this uh, you're only supposed to be Hulk for like an hour a day. Uh, you've been in Hulk form 600 times longer than recommended. As we de-Hulk you, you will probably die. But if we leave you like oh. this, you will definitely die. And he's like, yeah, I do the risk when I signed on. Just freaking do it. And this is going to hurt. I know. Just freaking do it. Because he's, you know, he's tough. Yeah. He's actually an early entertaining character. But, so, as they go through it, it's actually interesting to see Dr. Ho uh, actually going, a.k.a. the new Iron Patriot, you know, kind of muttering to herself, you know, yeah, well, I didn't sign on for this. I didn't know I was going to be killing a man today. As they start de-hulking him. At the same time oh. this is going on, uh, Sunspot, uh, the supreme leader of AIM, a.k.a. Well, I'm blanking on names today. I'm not doing good. Uh, Roberto da Costa, yeah. uh, head of AIM, head of the US Avengers, also known as Citizen V, which he doesn't like, but it's a name the US government gave him temporarily, um, is with some stupid senator who's like, you know, I'm your center of reason now, and we need to play ball, DaCosta, because I, I'm the guy who does all the rules now. Basically, the senator's trying to strong-arm him. He's like, you're, all, you're not working with S.H.I.E.L.D. anymore, because those guys are done. All the issues they've had, all the problems, they're done. No one works with them anymore. You want anything done, you're playing with me now. And DaCosta's like, look, look, that's not how it's going to go. And there's an interesting back and forth between those, because one thing that allies are really good is showing Roberto DaCosta dealing with other leaders, going back and forth. He, people still don't really take him seriously, which they should. But they always have this impression of, oh, you're Sunspot for the New Mutants. I, I don't got to take you seriously. Even though you've proven time and time again you're a genius, billionaire, playboy, um, who's the supreme leader of AIM. You know, but the center is like, look, you work for us. You signed a contract. And the Avengers work for us. He's like, no, 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 no. They all signed a contract with me. I work for you, and they work for me. That's how it works. AIM works for me. I work for you. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So AIM works for us. And this is what we want you to do. He's like, I, you know what? I don't think I want to play hardball with you. And he just goes, and after the center lays out this thing, like, you're going to be basically our puppet and do what we want, and we're going to do whatever we want with the Avengers because we own you. He went, huh, that's interesting. And he seemed like send him to tap his watch. All right, all right, Kevin, pause. I guess that's it. And he taps a little message. like, wait, what, what did you do? He's like, I think we're done. And he just starts walking out. What did you do? He's like, and while that's going on, uh, General Maverick, he actually finds that he survived the de-hulking process. But now he's like major heart problems, major artery problems, um, internal bleeding. He has to take drugs for the rest of his life not to die. And his per he's permanently red now. Super. Yeah, so he's in a lot of trouble. Um, and these other people uh, well this is all happening inside AIM headquarters and a couple of AIM agents come to Dr. Tony Ho and say hey 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 we saw that video of you like what oh yeah when you were in, being under interrogated by Hydra yeah that went viral it's like what because basically like the video of her talking about how talking to one of the other AIM agents about how she had always worked for AIM she grew up in AIM her father was who worked with Tony Stark was AIM and she knows that you know they were found on brilliance. Basically, I trying to give a pep talk at the time. It was in a previous issue. That's now on the YouTube. And she's like, oh, hell. It's like, yeah, so we had a vote, and we want you to be the, the supreme leader of AIM. And she's like, no, are you talking about like, some kind of coup? 
never. I mean, DeCasa is the leader of AIM, and he's great, and he pays you well. Why would you ever do that? And they're like, oh, yeah, he just resigned like three minutes ago. We thought we probably should have led with that. <laughs> yeah, I think. <laughs> um, and then you see her like shocked, and that, of course, leads back to outside this, you know, it looks like the White House, but I think it's supposed to be a Senate building. Uh, DeCosta's walking outside, and Sarah's like, what the hell did you do? It's like, oh, I, I retire. I, I quit. You know, and I gave signed over all my whole all of my holdings to uh, to aim and other parties. I have nothing. I'm completely broke. I still work for you, but I've quit as Supreme Leader. I've quit as leader of the US Avengers. I've quit as everything. And by the way, this headband I'm wearing, which stops my powers from overreacting, right now has my powers turned completely off and can only be turned on by aim. And I don't think they feel like doing it. So you got a guy in a suit working for you now. And the senator's really like, good numbers. yeah, it's like. Hope, hope that's good for like you can't it's like you can't push me you can't do that I did this on purpose in case someone like you happened by so uh, guess what you have nothing he's like you have nothing either he's like I don't need it I'll be fine what do you got I think your boss is gonna be pretty upset when they find out you've lost everything because you were trying to play hardball and well that's going he's like uh uh the senator's like excuse me senator uh the con- other congressman want to speak with you is like oh okay because he knows he's screwed. Uh, which I, it was a nice turn. It was, it was a very long conversation. I'm kind of glossing over it. But it's really well done. At the very end, while that's going on, all of a sudden... Um, it's not Puncher. Uh, Cannonball's wife, who is also known as the Super Guardian Smasher. That's who you see in the center. Um, Super Guardian Smasher? Yeah, the Super Guardians are kind of like the Kree um, super-powered entities. Uh, gosh, who else are the Super Guardians? Thanos' brother. Not Firefox. What's his name? Eros? That's another one of his names, yeah. But yeah. basically, like, all these, the super-powered Kree guys. Okay. Uh, Guard, uh, Guardian? Or Gladiator. Yeah, all those guys are, are Super Guardians. Um, so she is, like, mega powerful. And she is a member of the US Avengers, but she's barely there, because she has, she was there for a while, and then, like, the super guy is like, yeah, you're supposed to be defending alien worlds. We can't have you running on Earth all the time. So she has to do that a lot. But Sam, but Cannibal, Sam had was listed as dead because he went missing. Uh, while trying to get back from the alien planet they were living on, back to Earth. His ship crashed. There was a problem. He was actually like sold into slavery by an alien race. Super. Awesome. And so the Avengers don't know this. They report him dead. And some, and she found out through some cabbie telling her. He's like, I'm sorry, I meant to tell you directly when she talked. She basically comes up, says, hey, I need to talk with you. He's like, yeah, hey, it's a good time anyway. Pulls him out, and that's when the senator goes gets in trouble. As he leaves, teleports with a super guardian smasher. And he's like, sorry to tell you. He's like, yeah, I'm glad it didn't come from you. I would have believed you. But I double-checked the cabbie's story, and Sam's still alive. You know, me and my whole family, because we're super guardians, have, you know, because of my status, have you know, bio-trackers, trans-dimensional hyperspace trackers put in us so we know all of our vital signs. He's alive. He's just over somewhere else. So that's where, they kind of, that's where that's heading. They're going to go get Cannonball. Who, when last we saw, the guy who bought him when he was being sold as a slave put him in some sort of, look, remind me of like up to the Twilight Zone where there's like a fake town that looks like a super idea, like, hey, neighbor, like 1950sville. Gotcha. And he put him there and says, you live here now. We don't know why this alien who looks human, but said he isn't human, set this place up, and it looks like 1950s America. But the cover of the next issue, 
because of that situation, it actually looks pretty entertaining. If you can, uh, in that, it looks like an Archie comic, but he's drawn in a realistic style. So I thought that was nice. Hmm. Um, so all in all, an interesting issue, but like a very transitional. Nothing is really resolved. Um, AIM is going a different direction, but the US Avengers are still together. So it's kind of a lot of like tying up loose ends from other things going on and going to get Cannonball back, who's also DeCosto's best friend. An entertaining read, but not a great comic, just because it looks like they're trying to get from one place to another. And very much, oh, what do we do with him being Permanently Hulk? We do this. Well, what do we do about um, this person's relationship? Well, let's have them talk to Squirrel Girl. What do we do about, and it's a lot of that stuff. So not okay. a great book. Very, very average book. Two and a half stars. Um, not because it's bad in any way. This is a good book. But it's just, yeah, it's just there. It's just, they had to put out a book that month, and they have to get to the next place without just throwing you in media res and say, look, there's a fight! Um, and Al Ewing's a very strong writer, so you've you got to have these down issues occasionally. Right. So, I still liked it a lot. The two and a half is not a reflection that it's bad. If it was a two star, it'd be bad. Two and a half is an average issue. It's there. It's not bad. And that's where this goes for me. It's just pretty good. And that is Garthon's comic pull, the comics that were pulled this week. If you want more Garthon, you could check out my team-ups with Ethan Dog, which we mentioned previously. Um, they are mostly entertaining. Well, they're highly entertaining to me. Yes. And they will be for you if you're fond. Uh, I could interest the Star Trek Online and the Foundry community if you already play you'll Star laugh, Trek. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll hate us, you'll love us. It's great. That's right. Uh, you can also check out my streams. I stream uh, 9 p.m. Central Standard Time or 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, right now, I am playing through the Banner Saga. Uh, it's going to be my third part of that. That's been pretty fun to go through so far. Uh, getting the hang of the combat system, I think. Uh, my past trees are Final Fantasy XIV. So you can watch that. And I'm, I have Stephanie go on YouTube. It'll be, it'll go on YouTube soon. So it'll be there too. And now on to the RNG. We have a slightly delicate topic for the RNG. Yes. I don't think we're going to spend too much time on it. Um, so, fair warning. That's why we have a disclaimer at the beginning. We are going to talk about the diversity of Star Trek Discovery. Alright, the reason I want to talk about this um, isn't because I'm going to go on some rant or anything about it, but I've because I'm a part of a lot of Star Trek forums and stuff, and I really follow, I'm, I'm a nerd, I like Star Trek, I'm excited about the new series coming out, but a lot of people are going back and forth saying that some of the casting decisions are just to include someone who isn't white or isn't straight or whatever agenda they have going on. And other people are going the argument of like, oh yeah, just like how in the original series, they had an African-American comm officer who was shown us very technically proficient, could fix her own gear. They had relationships that weren't Earth normal. You know, all this stuff going on. And as people are going back and forth, some people are crying that, you know, you know, oh, the social justice warriors are ruining it. Not hate it. And other people are saying, like, oh, no, it's going to be the best because you need to just have diversity because diversity is important. And all that, I want to tell you now, is bull. It's crap. It's ridiculous. Here's how it is. If you have all these diverse elements in the show and the show was written well, it'll be good. And all those diversity things that are in there won't matter as a story element or something to focus on because it'll be part of the story. It'll just be something that's there. Right. 
if the focus is, look at this person. This person likes people of their same gender. Look at this person. This person isn't white. Then the show will fail because that's yes. not interesting. That's not the here. Very the show. moment, the very moment they 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 actually spotlight a homosexual couple or uh, or anything like that, it's ruined. Well, it should just happen. If it like if, it's absolutely normal, right? If you it's shown, need to spotlight it. If it's shown in the exact same way, you would show a heteronormative couple or a heteronormative yes. situation. Or yes, you don't spotlight right. it. It just happens. It's just there. And if it's yes. done in the same way. It's not a big deal, and that's how it should be done. That's and great, great. That's put that in there. That's wonderful. Yes. Be more inclusive. But the moment you go the other way, the moment you, you you take time out of the script to actually highlight something that you think because your your SJW cockles have to have it happen, you ruined it. Right. If you, you have to have ru- if you have to have someone go there and say, "I'm now going to go home to my boyfriend, and I am also a man, but we are boyfriends together because in the future this is normal for everyone." Oh. Yeah, if you yeah. have to say that, you you ruined it. You, you killed it right there. Right. So, um, that's just so that's what it boils down to. If it's well written and everything's done like it should be, it won't matter. It won't matter. Right. And if you try and make it matter, it's going to ruin the show and destroy it. Yep. And just because you want good writing, that's what all it boils down to. It's all part of, as um. As Duncan Hyde says, it's all part of the human experience. Diversity opens that up. Treating the full depth is the way to go. Exactly. And that is what previous Star Trek series have done when they've reached this kind of topics. In an episode where they try and show, like, browbeat with an idea, it's always bad. In the episodes where it's just there, it's always good. Wow, Duncan I Wow. Valdehard, thank you so much. We appreciate hey. all contributions, and I'm glad you're enjoying the conversation. Outstanding. Now I, I really do do want to say something about uh, about uh, uh, Sulu and the in, in the new iteration of the movies. Okay, good. Please do. The, the 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 way they made him gay and 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 with with a with a kid was great. Just he's walking away. He meets with his partner, brings up his little kid, and and Kirk is watching the entire thing and smiles. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, it, it wasn't like oh he's cool, he's gay. He's like oh it's cool, he's got a cute kid. That's, Don- that's what was that's what going through my head that Kirk was thinking. And that was perfect. Yep. Dollar says that he did he didn't show the message, but it said Star Trek Rainbows. That is a beautiful picture right there. That, nice. You can't get better. Thanks, Veldhar. Uh, but yeah, I agree. That's the way to do it. Even though George Takei himself, even though that character change that change of his character was attributed to George Takei, George Takei himself said he didn't like it, just because yeah. the character was he's the gay. The character's straight. Right. He's yeah. always been straight. So he didn't like. He's like he appreciated the tribute and stuff. That's great, but that's not the character. And that's why a lot of people flipped out about that. It's like, that's not the character. You know, that's not the I, I will protect you, fair maiden, you know, character. Which honestly is one of the best lines in Star Trek. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. When they got all infected with the, yeah. the drunk virus. Yeah. Right. And he grabs uh, Uhura and says, uh, I shall protect thee, fair maiden. She goes, Sorry, yeah. neither. That was beautiful. <laughs> that, that, was, was, that was cool. I don't know if that was that in was the cool. script or not, but that she was. She just pulled that one out of her butt, but it yeah, was great. That was beautiful beautiful you know because that was when as a kid i thought that's kind of funny but when i got older i actually understood the line she's literally not fair she's a black woman and she's not a maiden she's grown so she's not a maiden well she said all of that well it ain't grown so she's not a maiden it's she's never known the touch of a man is a maiden so she's you know been there as they say delicately so she yeah she said all of that in as few words as possible it was amazing beautiful loved it so 
Yeah, but 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 in the movie, how they show that that was great. It was just there as a normal relationship, you know. And that's if they do that in Discovery, it'll be fine. If you just have the all, you know, we're going to the planet of pride today. Okay, you're gonna have a problem. Yeah, yeah. You hang a lantern on it, you kill it. That's right, and that's and honestly, that's with any issue. If your show gets driven by, you know, well, we are, you know. If you with the opposite direction, hug a lantern on, obviously she's like, oh, we don't have any weird thing like that here. We are all, you know, heteronormative peoples and always do, you know, that's going to be a problem too. Your show's going to fail then too. So, ah, uh, but I have enough faith. Well, by the previews I've seen, it doesn't look like they do that, but they haven't shown too much. The show looks yeah, amazing. They have not shown a lot at all. Um, CBS is has dumped millions and it's made if it was on broadcast tv it'd be the most expensive tv series ever um they are betting the farm on this show so yep. i don't think they're gonna do something that stupid well you know what stupid sometimes just happens well, that's yeah. true not with that well i was gonna say not with that much money involved but then i remember yes, with that much money involved stupid uh, just then i remember happen. ghost in the water shell world water world come on water world wasn't bad that had oh come on stop it Ghost in the Shell was worse than Waterworld. Elgarian says he thinks it's like seven million, million per episode. I something feel like that. that that statement is wrong, but I have nothing in me right now to refute it. You can't. Waterworld. No, no, I feel it's wrong. You could feel it's wrong all you want. Right now. You could feel it's wrong. Go ahead. But you know what? Ghost in the Shell is just a terrible movie in so many ways. Do you know what the best part of the Ghost in the Shell film was? I will tell you what it was. What's that? The oh, the uh, the actor who played Top Dollar in The Crow was in there mm-hmm. for like five minutes. That was the best part of the movie. That's the best part, huh? I forget the actor's name. Uh, Bono says it, it's not much worse than Waterworld. If it was okay if you're laying on Saturday no, Sunday no, no. afternoon, he says not hangover. much is worse than Waterworld. Oh, not much is worse. That is true. Yeah. Not much is worse than Waterworld. True that. But Ghost of the Shell is worse. The live-action version is worse. If just for a comparison of how much it costs to make that film, and how everyone told them, don't do what you're doing! And they went, so don't do this? Yes. So we do that. No! And they did it anyway. So you want more like this? No! No less like that! More! <laughs> you know, it was like, He's like, we're going to cast a white woman as an Asian woman. No, no, don't do that. Don't do that. More white women. Oh, okay, Yay. okay. So how about if she actually is an Asian woman's brain in a white woman body? Yes. No, that's worse. That's so much worse. No. And that's exactly what they did. You know, <laughs> Bellar says he hasn't caught the live action ghost of shell either. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's a worst po- it's a worst case scenario. It's like it's like let's throw as much money as possible at this. Wee! This no this scene is directly from the anime. Yay! Why does it look better in the anime? More money. No! No! No, make it look no. Don't stop that. What's the anime about? What's this really about? I want to know what it's about. Well, it's about the condition of the human soul. And whether or not people have them, what it exists oh, in a machine stop society. It, I see. I'm t- trigger and and they're talking about what a what about 
AI, an emergence of that, and do they have rights? Like, oh, that's too, no, too much for my brain. How about if it's about a cool robot girl who shoots lots of stuff? Yeah! And instead of what if that stupid AI soul stuff, what if that's, a, what if that's another crazy robot guy who shoots lots of stuff? Woo! Uh, no! Well, if, if, if Baldahar's just just looking for a movie that gets, gets a lot of stuff shot, and he decides not to follow any of the plot, then there you go. Well, here's the thing, though. There's not even that much shooting in it. Yeah, there's like what three scenes? There's like three shooty scenes. Yeah, and they were all maybe four. And they were all done better in the anime, like a hundred percent better. So, oh gosh, that movie's so bad. It's like painful. Well, bad. now back back to uh, back to Star Trek uh... Discovery. Elgarian says it's seven million per episode. Yeah, I said that. Which seems like a lot. I think that's right. I've heard seven or eight million. Yeah, seems like a lot. It is a lot. It's a hate insanely. It is. That's what they're spending now. If you've seen the special effects, these are movie quality effects. Mm. You know? So I believe it. I'm looking forward okay. to it. Um, I know that on the Foundry Roundtable, um, they had been having a discussion about maybe as it's on, doing a stream talking about it. That's an interesting idea. Mm. Or maybe... Something steady up so you could record some dialogue so we could watch it here. No, you know what we're going to do? What are we going to do? You know do? what we're going to do? This is what we're going to do. What are we going to do? We are, uh, are going to watch the Foundry Roundtable, watch Star Trek Discovery. Oh, I like it. They're I like it. On Star Trek Discovery. We are going to record at the same time, stream live our our reactions to their reactions. Ooh, I like that Star better. Because really, we're, you, we're used to commenting on what the Foundry Roundtable creates anyway. Yes. So, full circle. I love it. Good plan. There you go. Yep. <laughs> we love you guys. It's an internet reaction of a reaction. That's right. Yes. I love it. Love it already. And if you should love this, and if you want more, you could like, subscribe, or comment uh, through Twitch at twitch.tv slash LegionMyth, on YouTube at youtube.com slash Myth, through our Reddit page, on Facebook, just look up LegionMyth. You could tweet us at LegionMyth. Ah, oh, Duncan Hyder likes their idea of comment. Mm-hmm. Uh, through Discord, Facebook, or our, join our Steam group. Look at what video games we have. Don't judge us too harshly. We wouldn't judge you. Uh, if you want the audio version of this, you can find it on SoundCloud, on iTunes, and also on Google Play Music, but also through any fine audio aggregator who gets podcasts. So I highly recommend that for everyone involved, every single person in the world. So, Heathen Dog. Yes. Do you have any final words of wisdom? Uh, I love George Takei. And uh, I, I'm not against homosexuals, but I think he's on track. That, yes, he's supposed to be heterosexual. And as an actor who played an iconic part for so long, he feels a, a, a connection with that character. And he wants to do it justice. Get off his back. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Uh, oh, Duncan I says he has Green, Green Dragoon and Drogo will be doing the talk, so he doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. All right. Also, if you want to support Legion of Myth, you can do it through Twitch, a streaming subscription at twitch.tv slash Legion of Myth, through a Patreon subscription at patreon.com slash Legion of Myth, through a Streamlabs donation at twitch.streamlabs.com slash Legion of Myth, and also directly through PayPal. 
paypal.me myth or get our gear at shop.spreadshirt.com slash legionofmyth. Good gear, I'm telling you. It is good gear. Uh, also, you can see uh, Max Leo Noriyaku streaming. Uh, Max streams Tuesdays and Fridays at 19 Central European time. Currently with Keenan's Ambler Reckoning and upcoming star from Battlefront 2. It's been a pretty good stream, I think. I've been enjoying Keenan's Ambler Reckoning. Our Reckoning has been streamed Wednesdays I mean, at 1900. Uh, I, I, I thought that I wouldn't like it because uh, in, in the game they don't have jumping. They really don't. I got like 20 seconds of music left. Oh, All right. Uh, also, you can check out World of Tanks, Twin Saga, and it's upgrade to be announced at Nora's Arty Party. Check that out Wednesdays at 1900 Central. Special thanks to our top subscribers uh, through Hicks, through Twitch, Hicks206, uh, Patreon, Elgarian, Sherry, 6206 Streamlabs, Beldahar, Rom, Cools Hera, Magical Cat Girl Fanboy, Spectral, Love Night, Cat Girl, Armor Lover, Heathen Dog, and through PayPal, Alan51. Thank you all very much. We appreciate it. Have a great day, Anomaly.